You're listening to Words of Encouragement, the preaching ministry from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Winsboro, Louisiana. Good morning to you, or good afternoon. Whenever you're listening to this, we're glad that you're listening, and we want to let you know ahead of time that we're looking at worthiness as it compares to the Lord's Supper. Are you worthy? How does one determine if they are worthy? Looking at the Lord's Supper today on Words of Encouragement. I entitled this, When We Approach the Table. When we approach the table. Uh, We're looking at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And this is a very familiar passage for the Lord's Supper, but I wanted us to look a little deeper into it today. Today is one of those days, I guess, we can say that we participate in one of two ordinances, excuse me, that we hold dear as Baptists. We observe the Lord's Supper together. There have been some interesting, um, pretty interesting ideas uh, in the past as to who can and who cannot participate. Uh, My grandfather was what you would call a closed communionist. Uh, He felt if you had not been, uh, if you had not accepted Christ and been baptized in that church that he was a part of, then you could not partake. Uh, I have not uh, followed along those lines of thinking. I believe that anyone who has accepted Christ and has been baptized and is walking with him uh, and goes to a like-minded church, I mean, if they're preaching the Bible and teaching the Bible, uh, then our table is open. Our table welcomes all who've trusted in Christ as Savior and Lord. But there have been some interesting ideas in the past as to who can participate, who cannot. Uh, In fact, I give you a little fact, uh, a little fact that you can kind of tuck away. Uh, There are several kinds of Baptists, if you have never known that. There are several different kinds of Baptists. There are primitive Baptists, regular Baptists, landmark Baptists. Uh, There are missionary Baptists, Southern Baptists, independent Baptists. The list goes on and on. There's lots of different types of Baptists. But when it's all broken down, we all come down to this on the same page in regards to baptism and the Lord's Supper and the gospel. And so it's very interesting to see. But that idea of closed communion is a landmark idea, a landmark Baptist idea. So that's in our history as Southern Baptist. Uh, but I just wanted to share that with you this morning. The Lord's Supper. It is for all believers. All who have accepted Christ as Savior and Lord may partake of this supper. Because of what Christ has done, all who believe in him are worthy of participating in this supper. Some people may say, well, I just don't, I I don't feel worthy today. Well, thank goodness it's not up to you to feel worthy, or to be worthy enough. Thank goodness it's not up to you because you're not worthy and neither am I. None of us are worthy to share in this supper except 
for the fact of what Christ did for us. He makes it possible. His death on the cross made it possible for us to participate together. So to say, well, I just don't feel worthy. Well, then maybe there's something going on. Because you're not worthy on your own. You're worthy because of what Christ has done. If you're able and uh, you're willing, would you stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God, looking at 1 Corinthians 11, 27 and 28. The Bible says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But a man must examine himself, and in doing so, he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. May the word of God be written on our hearts today. You may be seated. So we are not worthy to partake on our own, but because of what Christ has done, we are worthy. This speaks of unworthy manner. This speaks about how we partake, the attitude we have when we partake. I'm so glad that I learned a long time ago that the Lord's Supper is not something you just tag on at the end of a service. And that it, that it is the service. It is part of the service. It is the service on that Sunday. Same with baptism. You may, have, you may have done it in the past uh, at the end of the service. I don't know, really. I never asked. Because I've always felt it's part of worship, and we do it as part of the service. And so we do it at the beginning of the service as an act of worship. We've gathered here in His name, and we're watching one of our own, who is our, one who has become one of our own, trusting in Jesus and walking with Him. And next week, we get to participate in the ordinance of baptism. So, boy, these are exciting times when the church is able to come together and to worship God and to do it in, in ways that have been prescribed by God Himself to us. But the manner in which we do these, partake in these observances, it's important that they're not just add ons in a service. They're not just, oh, oh, by the way, we're doing the Lord's Supper. Let's, let's hurry through it. It's the service. It's part of the service. It is the service, and we do not take it lightly. That verse 27 says, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. As I said, some people hear that and think, Well, I don't feel worthy today, so I'm not going to partake. They say that without knowing the meaning of unworthy manner. You may feel, well, it's just not worth the risk. (laughs) Sounds kind of dangerous. Whoever eats the, the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. That sounds scary. I think I'll pass. I don't think I'll partake. I don't know that I'm worthy. Sometimes that is the attitude that some come to the table after all, you, you really don't want to be guilty of, of, of the blood of the Lord, the, the body and the blood of the Lord. That sounds terrible. First, let's look at the word, the phrase that, that is translated into the phrase unworthy manner. Remember, this letter is from Paul, and, and it's, it's to the unworthy manner for the Corinthians. 
And people, I don't know if you've noticed, are people, are people. And people's, people do not change much in the way they do things and their, 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 their actions and uh, our base nature of who we are has not changed. The Lord's Supper, which is a symbol of unity, uh, was intended and, and was intended to produce unity, was in fact producing disunity within the Corinthian church. Why? Because the Corinthians were affected by the Roman culture in which they lived. The Romans liked to party. They loved celebrating. And they did it a lot. And in the culture, these, these people of God kind of fell in line with it. And don't tell me you, you, you don't tell me you've never experienced something like that. Oh, we don't fall in line with culture, do we? We're Christians. We stand out and above the culture. Oh, really? One of the mo- one of the most hilarious things I ever noticed when I was at Louisiana College, a Baptist private school, was when <coughs> pardon me, was when perchance spring break happened to fall the same week as Mardi Gras. Now you tell me, I thought that was very interesting. I thought, my goodness, what is going on? They know, and look, oh, oh, no, no, it's spring break. It's not Mardi Gras. We're not getting out for Mardi Gras. Oh, really? When you went to the cafeteria, there was king cake. I'm thinking sanctioned by the, the kitchen of the college. You know, what is this? Oh, we're not celebrating Mardi Gras. No, we're not doing that. There are so many little things that we can notice that we blend in with, with culture and, and culture that, that, are, that are just flat out wrong, and yet we do it. These Christians, influenced by their culture in Rome, were celebrating and having a good time, and so much so that when they celebrated the Lord's Supper, they celebrated it like a regular dinner of the day. They just, ah, they just ate and drank and had a good time. The attitude in which they approached the supper was not the right attitude. They did not come intending to honor the Lord. And they came, oh, hey, we'll just, hey, it's another time to celebrate. This is great. Look at this. The wealthy and elite would dine on the best food and uh, they would get drunk on the best wine. The lower classes looked on with less and the poor, they had nothing. It's not how it was to be. The Christians were to come together, no matter if they were rich or poor. This supper was a supper of unity. This supper was centered on what Christ had done for them. What do we have in common with each other here in this room today? We have Christ. Some of us have less. Some of us have more in, in, in regard to material possessions. But they're, look, what makes us family is Christ. That's what makes us family. That's what pulls us together. That's why we come and gather and worship the Lord together. Because He's our common denominator. And these Christians in Rome, they were, oh, oh, they were just, you know, hey, we just make a party. And we partied. And well, the poor couldn't party with the rich. That, eh, that just doesn't look good, you know. The death of Christ symbolized the bread and wine. 
And it forces everyone to stand on equal footing as redeemed sinners. In Corinth, not so much. There was an elitism among these believers and disunity. And Paul went as far as to tell, uh, as to tell them up in verse 20, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. You're not participating in the Lord's Supper. You think you are. You say you are. But that's not what you're doing. Your attitude is wrong. You've approached this in the, in the wrong manner. And it's, there is no meaning in it anymore for you. You're not even participating here. That's not what's happening. You think you are. But you're not. I as your pastor do not want you to come to the table today. Thinking that you're participating. When you're not. I want you to have the right attitude. As a church, uh, these Christians were approaching the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. What they were celebrating was not in a manner that brought community together in unity. The focus of the supper was lost. This is not snack time at church. This is a supper which brings all who believe to the same table in the unity of Christ so that we can remember what he's done. So that we can remember. It's important for us to remember. that by I mean, look, if he had not done what he had done, you wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. We would have no hope of heaven. There would be no forgiveness of our sins. Unless maybe we would have stuck with some kind of sacrificial system. And we'd have to bring an offering bring our best goat, our best uh, lamb, uh, bring a turtle dove. I mean, what, what would we do? They were approaching in an unworthy manner. What about the last part of that verse 27? It says, uh, boy, yeah, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Would you be offended if someone disregarded or treated disrespectfully a symbol that you held very precious? How would you feel if you found out someone came in the, in the night and took our flag right out here and burned it on the lawn? How would you feel? That's disrespectful, isn't it? Oh, that's disrespectful. But it's just a, it's just a piece of material with colors. Don't quote me on that. It's more than that, isn't it? It's more than that. It's a symbol of freedom. It's a symbol that reminds us of those who bled and died so that we still have the freedom we have in America. And we would be upset at that. In a similar vein, and yet more, so much more, it is an insult to Christ and His death on the cross when we lightly, take lightly, or disrespect the symbols of His death, the bread and the fruit of the vine. When we come in an unworthy manner, in a disrespectful manner, (coughs) with no repentance, causing division, we sin against Christ. Some may say it's just bread and juice. No, it's much more than that. It's much more than that. It's a symbol and sign of something that we are to hold precious. It's the body. It symbolizes the body and the blood of Christ. How do you approach the supper today? Do you come with the unity of God's family in your mind? Do you come as one who shares in the journey of becoming more like Christ? Do you come with the truth that the only reason you are able to participate in this supper is because Christ made it possible to do so? 
In what attitude do you come to the Lord's table this morning? The second thing, self-examination matters. Look at verse 28. But a man must examine himself, and in doing so he is to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Examine ourselves. What is that? Oh my, there was a thing called exams in school. Certainly no, Brother Craig, no. Examine oneself. We just spoke about the attitude we are to have. We need to stop and examine ourselves and see what attitude do we come to the table with today. What attitude do we have? We need to stop and consider why we're here. Well, we just came because it's Sunday morning, Craig. Don't you like to see us? I do. I love to see you on Sunday morning. But don't just come because Brother Craig likes to see you. Come because you get to participate in a time of worship with your brothers and your sisters. Come knowing that you get to do that. Not that you have to do that, but you get to do that. It is an opportunity for all of us that God has given to us. And so we come before him ready to worship. Examining yourself is not determining whether or not you're worthy. You can partake. It's the manner in which you take it, though. It's not about us being worthy. It's about us coming in a worthy manner. If we were worthy, we wouldn't need to come. It would be ridiculous to require of those coming to the Lord's Supper a perfection that would render the observance itself pointless and empty. The Lord's Supper was not instituted for the perfect, but for the infirm and weak to stir up, to excite, to stimulate us once again. If you struggled this week, you need the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a visible reminder of the forgiveness of sins. Therefore, the only requirement for a believer in coming to the Lord's Supper is an attitude of repentance. An attitude of repentance. Consider this. If you're unwilling to participate in the Lord's Supper, you are in essence refusing the visible representation of Christ's gracious work. The only time we should refuse to participate in the Lord's Supper is when we refuse to repent of our sin. The examination time that we have is a time for you to get right with the Lord. Maybe you did not do that before you came this morning. I sent out a text this week. Remember, take some time to pray. Prepare yourself for this day, the Lord's Supper. Take some time to examine yourself. If we're unwilling to repent, the primary concern is not whether or not you are taking the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner, but instead whether or not you are a believer. If you refuse to repent, something else is wrong. Are you trusting in Christ alone for your salvation? Do you attempt to confess your sin on a regular basis? God waits for us. He's he's there for us. His arms are open for us. He waits for us to come and to express our confession to Him. He waits for us to do that. If so, then you're welcome at the Lord's Supper. It is important that we realize that what we're doing when we come. It's not a trivial matter. It's not something we, as I said earlier, tack on to the end of a service to meet up with some religious expectation or obligation. We're to come with a proper attitude of reverence and repentance. And what attitude do you come to the table this morning? Have you examined, your, you examined yourself? Have you, have you thought about that? How I walked in today? How I came here? Why, why I am going to partake in this supper? 
A lot has gone on this past week. Oh, my goodness. Our world is in an interesting position. Things are interesting, to say the least. What this world needs is believers, committed believers, who consistently repent of their sins and come with a proper manner to worship the Lord and who are willing to follow Him no matter what, even if it gets uncomfortable. That's what this world needs. God's people to stand up and to say, we are here and we follow a God of love who wants to love you as well. And we point them to Christ. Maybe this morning you have not trusted in Christ. Today would be a great day to trust in Him. To put your faith in Him. To give Him your life is what we say. What does that mean? That means you're giving yourself over to someone else. So they can possess you. So when you give your life to Christ, when you give your life to God, God possesses you. You belong to Him. He's in charge, not you. Boy, it's kind of hard sometimes in our world when we see Christians that obviously are not allowing God to be in charge of their life. It's a struggle to watch. It's a struggle. We all probably know someone who says, I follow Christ, I'm a Christian. But their actions are so contrary to that. It's hard to watch. Let's not be those. Let's be those who follow Christ and people know it and they see it. Maybe today you need to give your heart to Christ. Thank you for joining us today for Words of Encouragement. We're glad that you are following along and we will be picking up on the rest of the story of Jonah next week. Uh, So we'll pick up with that and see what happened uh, with him. And I know that you're wanting to know. Many of you have read that story and you already know, but maybe you haven't read past the point where he uh, was ejected, shall we say, from the fish. So uh, join us next week and we'll look at the continuing story of Jonah. Remember, you matter to God and to us at the First Baptist Church of Winsburg.